Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Amen. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. As announced, in just a few minutes, we're going to move into our water baptism service. And water baptism is something we get real excited about here at our church. I mean, we get fired up about the waters of baptism because water baptism can and should be life-changing. That's right, you heard that correctly, life-changing. Unfortunately, the transformation doesn't take place automatically, but it definitely points us in the right direction spiritually, and water baptism tees us up to walk in newness of life. And we've got seven people that have been waiting a long time to be baptized, and so we're excited about this opportunity today. Uh, But just before we participate in this wonderful grace together, I'd like to continue with the top 10 YouVersion Bible app-inspired series. And how many of you have enjoyed the series so far? I'm glad you said that, and glad you responded that way, because I was going to say, hang in there, maybe we'll do a little bit better in September. Uh, Today's lesson number seven of eight. And then next Sunday, Pastor Chris is going to bring the series to a close. And I'm looking forward to that as well. This morning, I have the privilege of talking about a passage of Scripture that has become a life verse for me. And by by that, I mean it's a lot more than just powerful words of truth. These two verses found in the book of Proverbs, this passage of Scripture, has been deeply ingrained in my soul over the years. It's become a part of me. And so I'm I'm not just reading some scripture. I'm reading words of life that have been imparted to me. And again, it's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust. Say what? Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, or he will make your path straight. Now, this morning, I'd like to just change things up a bit, if you don't mind. With your permission, I just want to speak candidly from my heart. Can I do that this morning? I just want to talk freely. I've been the senior pastor of Community Christian Church for 29 and a half years, going on 30 years. And when I look back and consider the emphasis of my preaching ministry, not necessarily pastoring or shepherding as a whole, but when I focus in on preaching, what I have attempted to communicate to you from the pulpit, I could probably sum up 29 and a half years with three main elements. That's it, just three themes. And keep in mind, my personal desire has been to inspire you to become fully devoted to God. I mean, that's been the message. That's been the mission from day one. It has not changed. Preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ and lead you to becoming a fully devoted follower of his. Not me, but of Christ. And how many know it's all about Jesus? He's King of kings and Lord of lords. 
Everything we do, we do for Him. And so again, my preaching approach has centered around three themes. Number one, and right at the top of the list, I have desperately tried to convince you that God is good. And that He loves you with an everlasting love. And friends, this is foundational. The only way that we're ever going to have a relationship with God, grow spiritually, and even understand anything at all about intimacy with God, is by absolutely believing that God is good. And He's good even when life goes bad. And over the past 29 and a half years, over and over and over again, in as many ways as I could think of, I have told you, God is good. God is good. Secondly, I've done my absolute best to teach you about the grace of God. Grace is the only way to get saved. And grace is the only way to stay saved. And you know exactly what I mean by that. We can't do anything positive, anything beneficial or of of value for the kingdom of God apart from his grace. And yes, grace means the unmerited favor of God, but it means so much more than that. It means God providing us with everything that we need to accomplish his will. Thank you, Bill Gothard, for that definition. God gives us, he graces us with everything that we need to do what he's asking us to do. And grace is so paramount and so epic, we have built and established the core values of our church on grace. We've used the word grace as an acronym, G-R-A-C-E. And help me out here. G, everything belongs to God. God's first in all things. R, relationships matter. They matter to God, they should matter to us. A, Acts of service. Everyone should be involved in volunteer service in the church somewhere. C, compassion for others. Nothing moves the heart of God more than when his people have compassion, especially for the lost and especially for the needy. And then E, everything belongs to God. It's all his anyway. You see, God's amazing grace allows us to do all of these things. And the scripture says... His grace is sufficient for me. God's grace is sufficient for me. And one of my favorite Bible verses on the subject of grace, other than Ephesians 2, 8, 9, of course, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Other than that one, I absolutely love Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Here's what it says. For the grace of God, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, grace saves us from our sins, and grace prepares us for the main event, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because of God's wonderful grace, we can say no to sin, and we can say yes to God. And so number one, there's the goodness of God. 
Number two, there's the grace of God. And then that third theme that I've attempted to talk to you about over the years is trust. This thing called trust. And trust simply means no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, we turn to God instead of away from him. We put our confidence, we put our reliance and our dependence in God. And as a believer, you might be thinking, that's a no-brainer. But you would be surprised, scratch that, you would be shocked at the number of good Christian people, people who have been around Christianity for a long, long time, people who have served the Lord for years and years, who walk away from God, bail on God, when adversity and trouble and trials come knocking on their door. That's why in Proverbs chapter 3, King Solomon said, it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. I make the choice, the purposeful, conscious decision to put my trust in God. He said, I'm not going to rely upon or depend upon my own understanding. I'm not going to put my faith in my past experience or someone else's opinion. Because when push comes to shove and it boils down to what really matters, God knows best. Solomon said, God knows best. His ways are higher than every other way. His thoughts beyond every other thought. And Solomon says, I'm going to choose each and every day to trust God. And when we can do that, when trust becomes tangible in our lives, when we put God in that place of trusting him and looking to him, that's as good as it gets. When we're willing to look to God and turn to God, regardless of what comes our way, that is what satisfies and that's so beneficial to each and every one of us. Now, uh, 37 years ago, almost to the day, I made an extremely crucial decision. And that decision changed the trajectory of my life and my entire family. 37 years ago in the summer of 1984, I resigned from the Detroit Police Department and went into Christian ministry full time. I gave up my gun and my badge. You know, I I was handing it in and they were pulling it from me. (laughs) I, I I, I turned it in. I turned my badge in and picked up a Bible. And I mean, that's a pretty risky move. And back in those days, believers didn't make a decision like that without hearing directly from God. I mean, from the first day that I got saved, I was taught that before you make any major decision, you seek the Lord, you wait on God, you hear from God, and then you move. And then after you think you know what God is saying to you, after you sense that God's prompting you in a certain direction, you still wait for multiple confirmations before you make that move. And some of you from the old school know exactly what I'm talking about. Back then, let's just say you wanted to go out to lunch after service. And one of the elderly church ladies got wind of it. They would seek you out. 
I mean, this, young, this lady would run you down, find you in the parking lot before you made, got into your car. And they would interrogate you and want to know, did God tell you to go to that restaurant? Did God give you permission? Is it God's will? I, I, I mean, that might be a little overdramatic and I may be stretching things a bit, but you get the point. You understand, seeking God, waiting on God, then hearing for God to speak to you, that was the norm and not the exception. And when I felt as though the Lord was leading me to resign and go into ministry full time, the Lord did speak to me. The Lord did impress his direction upon my heart. And there were multiple confirmations given any idea what word God spoke to me at that time? That's right, trust. That was it. After months and years of seeking God, years of fasting and praying and calling out to him, interceding, God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to put your trust in me. That's all I got. And then 37 years ago, as a part of the package deal, the Spirit of the Lord led me to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And this is when I received this particular passage as a rhema word, as a living word to me. Not just words of Scripture, not just words from God that are found in the Bible. A rhema living word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, not most of them. Acknowledge me, and I'm going to direct your path. I'm going to walk with you each and every step of the way. I'm going to be with you. I'm just asking you to take a step. See, that's why this passage is so meaningful to me. That's why I refer to it as a life verse. Because over the years, the past 37 years, God has repeatedly declared this passage over me. And check it out. He's still speaking this very same thing to me today. In the midst of trouble and adversity and what I call prophetic gross darkness, once again, God is saying, are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe in me? Are you going to look to me? And that's why, as a church, we are trusting God to take us to the next spiritual level. And I've been talking to you about this. I'm talking modern-day revival here with signs and wonders and tremendous times of refreshing in his presence. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? I mean, I do. Every time we meet together, even when I'm just talking with somebody, I, I just sense something. It's electrifying because God's getting ready to do something for his church. And as your pastor, I'm not looking to play it safe to simply tread water or coast to the finish line. Come on, we have work to do. And I know I don't have a lot of years left, maybe a couple at best, but I believe that the next 30 years for Community Christian Church can be better, more productive, more fruitful than the past 30 years. I believe that. We have the staff, we have the leadership, we have the congregation in place to take us into the future talking about an amazing community of people that God himself has assembled together to not only make a huge difference, but to literally change the world. That's what God's calling the church to do. 
to change the world, to get out in front of everyone else, to be the leaders of what he wants to do. And so going forward, we're bumping ministry up a notch. And friends, I think it's time to turn the corner on the pandemic. And I mean, come out swinging and give the devil a black eye. I know the virus is real. I know that it's still lingering. But God has sustained us. And he's brought us through. And the world needs the church of Jesus Christ to be the church. They need us to be back to the business of preaching the gospel message. More importantly than anything else we do. Watching people get saved and healed and set free. This is what God's calling the church to do. God has his hand upon the church. God knows what has happened over the last 18 months. All of the trouble that we've been through, all of the decisions that had to be made. He knows what's going on from this day forward. He's leading us. He's in control of all things. And he's prompting us by his spirit to just take that next step. And so I'm very inspired to tell you that this fall, Community Christian Church is hitting the reset and the reconnect buttons. That's right, reset and reconnect. Say that with me. Reset and reconnect. And a special thank you to the Community Christian Church Women's Ministry for that precise terminology and strategy. They came up with it, and I love it. And speaking of the women, under the faithful leadership of a very devoted and dedicated Pastor Therese. In fact, let's just give it up for Pastor Therese. She's done an amazing job all these years. Under her leadership and a rejuvenated, multi-generational team of leaders, the women are once again rolling out an amazing plan to connect with women of all ages and all backgrounds. The goal is for every community Christian church woman to feel loved, seen, and chosen. And ladies, be on the lookout for an exciting and dramatic kickoff event in the very near future. Next, I want to talk to you a little bit about our youth and young adult ministries. Knowing how crucial these demographics are to every church and family, ministry-wise, we are pulling out all of the stops. Just this past Wednesday, Pastor Tyler held a Next Generation leadership meeting, and he had over 75 volunteers show up to that meeting. 75 volunteers <laughs> pledging to step up and answer the call to mentor students. And based on the best information that we have at this time, we're moving our junior and senior high youth services back to Wednesday night. The culture shifted a little bit. We're believing this is the good direction. The culture shifted, and beginning September the 15th, Wednesday, September the 15th, the junior and senior high services will be held on Wednesday night instead of on Sunday night. Junior high will meet both days, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and the senior high will meet on Wednesday night. And parents are going to put all of this information with all these details into your hands. You'll have it soon if you don't have it already. But I want you to know that we are 100% behind mentoring and meeting the spiritual needs of your kids. 
It's something that we've done for the past 29 years. The children and youth of our church have been a priority. It remains the same. And then starting in September, for the very first time in the history of our church, we're assigning a full-time staff member to our young adult ministry. Now, in the past, we've had volunteers and part-time ministers, and they've done an amazing job, a tremendous job with this age group. Special thanks to Bob Beeson and Zach Marin for all of their years of labor and their leadership and everything that they did with this group. But again, going forward, starting next month, Phil and Emily Smith will be the new young adult ministry directors. And don't anyone freak out. I know you didn't see them on the platform today. Darlene led us in worship. But Phil is going to continue to be our worship leader. We need him on the platform. We need him leading worship. That's not going to change. Amen. But in addition to worship, starting Thursday, September the 16th, Phil and Emily Smith are going to host a weekly young adult gathering, and that's something we're extremely excited about. And then don't forget, we've announced this for several weeks now, fall registration for life groups begins today following the service. And over the last 18 months, what would we have done without life groups? Seriously, for some people, for many people, life groups was their lifeline. The only way to connect with other people. And so if you haven't been a part of a life group in a while, I strongly recommend that you do yourself a favor. Take a look at the registration booklet, all of the life groups that we're offering, you will be glad you did. We have some tremendous uh, groups of people meeting together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, doing all the necessary things that God has asked us to do as brothers and sisters as we serve the Lord together. I feel that something big is on the horizon. I know I'm usually pretty positive. But friends, this is coming from deep down in my heart. God is getting ready to do something tremendous through the church. And so when you come to service, when you gather together in groups, when you spend a few moments in prayer, come with expectation and anticipation. Come with faith, believing. And let's see God do some tremendous things going forward in the future. Are, are you with me on this? Okay, just before we make our way to the water tank, I'd like to introduce you to one of our water baptism candidates. His name is Brian. And I was introduced to Brian about two years ago when another community Christian church member brought him to me. At the time, Brian was struggling with life. He was discouraged and deeply broken. Um, he was caught in a deep depression and didn't even want to live. And so we continued to meet for a little bit. And all during the time that we were talking with one another, praying with one another, I led him to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I told him, Brian, you have to put your trust in God. And guess what? It worked. And Brian was able to submit and surrender his situation to God. And in the process, God gave him a new lease on life. I asked him before he was baptized today to share a couple words of testimony. Let's welcome Brian as he comes.
Good morning. So, as Pastor Tony said, my name's Brian. Um, and uh, my story is, is tragic and beautiful at the same time. Um, when I did meet Pastor Tony a couple of years ago, um, I didn't want to be here anymore. And it, it was to the point where I was in such darkness, I, I had a plan to make that happen. And Pastor Tony brought me to trusting the Lord and placed me right back in the arms of Jesus Christ, where we all belong. And I now understand the power of the Holy Spirit and the importance of that relationship with Jesus and the miracles that come with it. I've gotten to the point where what, what I would call a miracle or view as miracles, uh, I'm now coming to understand that that's just God's normal. <clears throat> so now to the, the tragic part about my story. Um, I, I was raised Catholic and, and lived my whole life loving God and walking a righteous walk, um, making mistakes along the way praying and loving God. Um, but I didn't understand three really important things that, that I now do. And, and one of those is the reality of spiritual warfare that is happening all around us and the constant attack of the enemy. If you would have told me that three years ago, I would have had a response like, that's some of that newfangled, you know, Christian talk, but I now know that that's real. Um, I didn't understand the power of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural things that can happen when, when we use that power that is within us all, and, and that, thirdly, the key to all of it is the distinct trust and relationship and laying your life at Jesus' feet every single day. And so when Pastor Tony started to teach me about that, that's what I did every day, every morning. I woke up and I laid my life at Jesus' feet and I watched the miracles happen. Um, I had a, about a decade-long career as a trial attorney and the, the type of attorney that I was was a prosecuting attorney. So it was my job to work for the people of the state of Michigan and um, try to get justice for crime victims. And <clears throat> that led me into some of the darkest, most ugly places of humanity. <clears throat> I wasn't the type of prosecutor, and my career wasn't on the kind of trajectory that dealt with fraud cases or drugs or anything like that. Uh, I dealt with domestic violence, homicide, and um, the abuse of children, both sexual and physical. And as I now look back in inventory, uh, doing all of that without Jesus, um, 
it, it's not a wonder to me why and how the enemy was able to creep in even in that kind of righteous work. <clears throat> so what that meant for me was very long work days, seven days a week, Christmases I'm at the office preparing for trial, Hol- all other holidays. And in those deep, dark recesses, in that loneliness, the enemy crept in and caused me to make bad decisions. And it caused me to, to push away all, all of the good and important things in my life, all of the good relationships, all of the things that bring joy and happiness and hope, and so the world around me would constantly view me and, and tell me that, you know, Brian, you, you can't do this. You can't sustain this. You can't go on like this. And when people would kind of give me those warnings and that advice, you know, don't work so much, cut back the hours, have a little bit more fun. I saw that as I viewed that as somebody coming against me and I didn't want to listen to it. So if you weren't with me, you were against me. So get out of my way. And so that was the enemy. I now know it around every corner. Um, So while I'm not walking with Jesus, I'm still talking to God. And my career trajectory is going like this. But my relationship with Christ is going like this. And that's a bad mixture. And so I was promoted. Uh, I started my career in Flint at the Genesee County Prosecutor's Office. Tried my first murder case within my my second year of practice. Won an award. Um, Was able to come to the Macomb County Prosecutor's Office. Quickly was promoted to the Domestic Violence Unit. Won trials. Was promoted again to the Child Protection Unit. And now I find myself in the child protection unit uh, with a jurisdiction of Warren and Centerline in a world of darkness. And uh, in those cases, basically, in a nutshell, the burden that was on my shoulders was to have that six-year-old sit in a room with 12 strangers staring at them and tell those 12 strangers how that child was sexually assaulted in front of the man or woman who did it to them sitting in the room. And if, if I don't convict the person, he'll walk out of that courtroom and do it again to either that child or another child. And so I took, took that job very seriously, but I wasn't laying it at Jesus's feet every morning. And so the enemy crept in and I pushed away friends I ended relationships. I pushed away family members. I didn't experience joy, and I didn't see any joy or hope in my future. I had a servant's heart, and I approached every case. I I wouldn't change a thing, and I had nothing but success. Those cases are capital cases, meaning the person goes to prison for life if they're convicted, and I never lost one. Thanks. 
Um, and so the career trajectory continued, and I eventually uh, found myself employed by the Attorney General's office as the sexual assault prosecutor for the state of Michigan. And <clears throat> if the, the imbalance and the attack of the enemy was bad before, it got even worse because now my jurisdiction was the entire state of Michigan. And as the sole sexual assault prosecutor for the state of Michigan, I, I lived out of hotel rooms all over the state fighting for uh, rape victims across the state. I, I would um, be carting my own personal printer from hotel room to hotel room. I found myself in the UP and in at you know, the center of the state, all over. And in those moments, in that loneliness, in that darkness, the enemy convinces you to have another drink, to get some sleep. Um, working 18-hour days, you really can't do that without medicine and caffeine. And the enemy convinces you that, that that's necessary for you to do that. I, I remember my doctor would tell me, Brian, you, you're like Elvis. You can't sustain this. You can't drink all that coffee and take that medicine to, to, to stay up for 18 hours and then a sleeping pill and a drink to go to sleep. Nobody could sustain that. But I wasn't laying my life at the feet of Jesus Christ. And so the enemy starts to be pervasive and, and cause you to make poor decisions in that loneliness. And so um, in one of those cases, <clears throat> um, a, a, a woman who was raped uh, that I was seeking justice for had expressed feelings for me. And while the case was pending before it was com completed, um, I made a poor decision and entered into a relationship with that woman. And after spending a decade in front of people and being comfortable talking to people, it is incredibly hard to tell you all that story right now. It's incredibly hard in the two years that I've belonged to this church to walk through those doors and face any of you. But I hope that that, that, that my testimony can, can help somebody who is in darkness right now and isn't aware of what the enemy is trying to do. No matter what it is, whether it's a medical report or a, a bad relationship or a torn Achilles, he wants me addicted to painkillers. He wants me depressed. You know, I, especially in the child protection unit, had always taught children the concept of armor, God's armor. Because when they took that stand and testified about how they were abused, something had to protect them from the man who did it who was sitting across from them. So <clears throat> I, would, I would teach them that, and, and these children would embrace that. What I didn't realize was I wasn't putting on the armor. I wasn't wearing the helmet to protect my mind and my mental health. And so the story could be three hours long, um, but, but um, to, to sum things up, um, when I made that poor decision 
it was toxic. The enemy was very present. And things escalated very quickly. And I was in a world of darkness. And it seemed inescapable. And it got to the point where um, it became very public. Very public, very false, and very unfair. Um, The attorney general, who I had been promoted to Lansing and worked a few doors down from, from her, held a press conference and announced <clears throat> to the world that I had committed crimes, basically. I didn't see it that way. I um, was willing to, to give up the career for what I thought was love and to, to get out of the loneliness. But that was tough, um, being publicly shamed like that and investigated for two years. While that was all going on, uh, I, I just can't describe to you with words the power of the Holy Spirit and, and what Pastor Tony taught me about complete and utter trust in the Lord. Because as that was happening, my strength built and my armor built and the miracles started to happen. Miracle after miracle, after burning to the ground and losing everything and getting to a point where I could walk in public, I could come to church. I paid off debts. I found a new career. I found new friends that I had prayed for. Friends that love Jesus like I do. Miracle after miracle after miracle. The person who brought me to Pastor Tony was one of those people that I pushed away in that darkness. And so, I'm choosing to be water baptized today to solidify the commitment that I've made to Jesus and the, the miracles that I've experienced and while I don't stand up here with decades of wisdom um, in my walk with Christ, for me, it starts here, and the testimony and the miracles have just begun. <clears throat> so just to, to wrap, wrap this up, um, what Pastor Tony helped me realize was when I wake up every morning and I'm here and I'm breathing, he has work for me to do. And so I hope, I know, that this next chapter for me is going to be epic. I wish that and I pray for all of you that that's the case. And if you are in any kind of darkness or hurt, tap into that power of the Holy Spirit and that relationship with Christ because it is supernatural. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.